Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. I met this week's guest while surrounded by cornfields down an old country road (laughs) smack dab in the middle of the state of Iowa. Um, I ran into Taylor at the Boonville Backroads Ultra. Uh, I got to meet him. I got to meet his friend Jimmy during the race. Uh, They were signed up for the 100 miler, which I mean, still, I'm just astounded that anybody could have survived that day long enough to run 100 miles. Um, And anyway, so I met them during the race. And then a few weeks later, Jimmy sends me a text message or a message on Instagram. And he's like, hey, my buddy Taylor is going to attempt the uh, fastest known time across the state of Iowa. And he's going to start in the beautiful Mecca of Muscatine, <laughs> which is my hometown <laughs> right on the Mississippi River. Um so I paid attention. I watched uh, his Instagram stories as he updated throughout the week, and the dude ran across Iowa. So I'm super excited to talk to him. I just really wanted to have him on the show, and I wanted to hear about the experience. I wanted to hear about um, how he's processing it, all the emotional growth, the mental growth, uh, the adventures, the misadventures along the way. Um, this has really been the summer of the fkt in the ultra running community just so many people have been crushing fastest known time since uh since a lot of the races were canceled or rescheduled and i just love this idea of people stepping up to these humongous challenges i mean running across an entire state the faster than anyone else has ever ran across the state is a huge, huge challenge. And I love the reasons for it though. The thing that's really inspiring me is everybody who's out there crushing FKTs, they are out, they are basically planning their own adventure. And a lot of times their adventures are really near and dear to their heart. Um, And I know for Taylor in this episode, he wanted to experience Iowa. He really wanted to see what the state has to offer. And, you know, obviously as you run across it, you're going to really get a chance to see that state. You get to see the nature, the scenery, uh, you get to experience the people, your fellow citizens in the state. Um, It's just a really cool, interesting way to, uh, experience a part of the world Um, and especially if the part of the world is where you grew up where all your formative uh, experiences have happened it's just that much more meaningful Um, so anyways I hope you guys enjoy the show Uh, Taylor is an ultra runner he's a tattoo artist he's just an all-around awesome really intentional guy and you can also tell that this FKT didn't happen by one person's effort. Obviously, he's the one doing the event, right? He's the one putting each foot step in front of the other. Um, but once again, and this is such a common theme, the people who surrounded him, his community, uh, the people who supported him along the way, they drove him to this. And I, I think he gives a lot of credit to them as well, which is really interesting. So... Let's just dive right in. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 226, Running Across Iowa with Taylor Ross. Taylor, you just did something that is near and dear to my heart in so many ways. You just ran across the state of Iowa. and Beautiful state of Iowa. Beautiful state. Maybe some would argue uh, that is it heaven? No, it's Iowa you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah. But dude, so setting the FKT, um, doing this bizarre, insane distance, uh, that I have to imagine was unlike anything you've ever done before in the past. Yes. hundred percent. 
yeah unfathomable even training for it like there's no way to experience to know what the experience is going to be like until it happened for sure yeah man so anyways i'm super excited to talk to you about this welcome to the show um it's funny because i remember meeting you at boonville a couple times like out on the course um mm -hmm. and and then going online and seeing that you were going to run across the state now and i was like oh he just stepped it up a level but but let me ask <laughs> was was boonville your first 100 mile 100 miler no and i want to say thank you once again thank you or thank you so much for having me it's an honor to be on this podcast uh you know such incredible badass adventure athletes have have talked to you before and and you and your own writer badass adventure athlete and so it's an honor to be here thank you so much um but um boonville wasn't my first hundred miler but it was my second hundred miler <laughs> and it was um it was meant as a training run for my run across iowa yeah so um everything i've done in the last uh year or so or at least during 2020 uh in terms of like ultra distance stuff or racing in general has all been kind of to go for forward towards my run across iowa yeah wow so how did this idea even come to fruition and also like what gave you the boldness to be like i'm gonna be the one who does it <laughs> um i've wanted to do it for a little while i started doing ultras last year i ran corn belt 24 hour have you heard yeah. of that race i haven't no man <laughs> Uh, it's a it's a high school track um quarter mile track that you do for 24 hours and that's where i did my first 100 miler <laughs> um, for my first ultra and um so i think as as many people do we we learn about ultra marathons through podcasts or badass people that we learn about and for me um i had heard about certain athletes and that was one of the first things i knew about when i did my first ultra i didn't know about trail running really <laughs> um, so like that's how fresh i was to it and everything and so um, that was last May. And then I did a couple more ultra, a few more ultras throughout the year. And by uh, late August, I knew that I wanted to run across the state of Iowa. I had the idea one day. Um, I think probably certain things uh, across uh, states or uh, longer trips that people have taken longer FKTs and stuff like that had influenced me. And I'm trying to think of specifically which they were. But um, I just remember having the thought one day of being like, you know, I have done a hundred miler. I've done these ultras. Like I want to experience what my, uh, like my threshold of what's possible is and see if I can, um, you know, tackle something this big or if not, I want to, I want to push myself as much as possible to see where that line is. Yeah. And so, um, and then on top of that, I truly wanted to build a better connection with our state. I grew up um, wanting to, um, you know, I grew up in Des Moines and, the central central Iowa and I wanted to after high school move as quickly as possible and when I came back to Des Moines after college I uh, basically realized how much I do love Iowa and how much I haven't and then um, just how much I haven't appreciated it and so I wanted to do something that was an intimate way to get get to know my, my state and have a connection with it on like a much deeper level and then finally beyond that um, even pre-COVID I wanted to kind of disconnect from all the chatter out in the world and find a way to have just a long-term project that I could dive into and would really take my focus. So, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I know for me personally, like mental health wise, um, just having a long, a big project on the horizon and working towards that and trying to put daily steps, whether they're like a lot of work that day or just a little bit, but like that does so much for, for me and just my happiness, you know? Absolutely. And I always wanted to create, you know, more substantial things in my life in terms of projects, but without putting that time in, I, I always thought that I could just come up with something and it would happen, but yeah. I'm starting to realize like, it's cool to like get into something for like a year or so. So for this, you know, it was 13 months of um, route planning, uh, logistics planning, putting together people to help me out in terms of the crew and um, friends that were going to help me out. Uh, with support and then just doing a bunch of training. And so, um, there was, I mean, it, it took a lot of time to do all that stuff for sure. Yeah. Did you ever face like fatigue in that process? Not just physical, I mean like mental fatigue. Yeah. So I think like three or four weeks ago, I did my second recon trip of driving the route. <laughs> 
after I had, uh, after I had changed things and, um, and, and, uh, just kind of edited my route and I wanted to go drive the whole thing. So I at least had, cause I knew it's big enough that, you know, maybe if it was a hundred miles or less, I would be like, Oh, go out and run 20 mile chunks at a time or something yeah. like that. Get to know the whole route, but it was so big. I didn't even attempt to run any of it. I just knew that I wanted to get similar types of training in that would, that would work for it. And then that I wanted to get to know the route as well as I could. And so, um, yeah, so I went out a few weeks ago and did kind of my final drive through and, um, I had made two routes on Strava and, uh, I drove out to, you know, I'm in the center of the state, as you know, and so yeah. about to the border of the state and then started driving in. And when I got to Des Moines, I realized I drove the old route. <laughs> Dude. So over, over two, over 36 hours span, I spent 24 hours in my car driving oh, just back and forth with my dog back and forth and sleep, slept in my car. And, um, so that was like, you know, a point where I was just like, am I pushing myself outside of my depth even now? And I haven't even like started the running part yet, but, yeah. um, but I, I felt overwhelmed by the process, but I didn't at any other point, I don't think felt, uh, very like fatigued by going through, um, the, the planning or anything. It was just maybe a couple more moments, but that one, it was just like, man, um, yeah, that was, that was brutal. Being well, you're like showing right. yourself how big the state is. And you're like, man, if it's taking me this long to drive across, I'm running across this thing. Yeah. Dude, that's so wild, man. Well, can you tell me before we even get into it? Um, tell me a little bit about like you and your background and, and your, you know, were, were you always a runner? You mentioned just getting into ultra running like a year ago. Yeah, I think a little under a year and a half ago, I got into ultra. <laughs> Um, I, uh, um, I started running probably like close to three years ago. Um, but more seriously, I think I started training for my first marathon like two and a half years ago. Okay. Um, so I come from a background of being, um, I'm an artist, I'm a tattooer by trade and I make art in general. Uh, that's where my first and love and passion are in the world. And, um, I feel like when I was growing up, you know, I was fortunate that my parents put me through sports and I was always very active, but I just kind of like fell out of all those things and moved more and more towards art because I wasn't really killing it in school. I wasn't a great student. I, um, I had struggled to pay attention and like focus on anything diligently. And what I could do is I could doodle in class and the bell would ring all of a sudden and I'd be like, it's already been an hour. That's crazy. Yeah. And then <laughs> I, I wasn't even especially diligent with that. But then um, once I got um, to the point where I was about 18, 19 years old, um, I had dropped out, got my GED and basically decided like, I need to do something. I'm like, I'm frustrated, like nothing's really happening. And I was going to be following um, some friends to Iowa City to go to school. I was just going to start at community college and kind of go from there because I was like, I need to do something. I might as well just follow my girlfriend right now or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I distinctly remember, um, you know, sitting down at the at the table before um, moving to go do that and like and drawing and painting and being like, once again, like I'm getting back to that point of like feeling meditative and feeling like I'm immersed in what I'm doing right now and time's moving differently and I feel at peace. And so that was just, you know, like so clear for me that I was like, this is what I need to do. But then the problem was that through, you know, what we do is we go to college and we, um, then I went and went to school for art at the university of Iowa. And I just became so obsessed and got a tattooing and everything that that became everything. I was, um, you know, I just would sit and, and draw or like make art constantly. And I was never moving my body or doing anything to create balance. And so three years ago, um, I hired a yoga teacher, um, who, uh, was huge and uh, huge for me. It became so much more than that. It was like this total, uh, you know, just way of looking at life differently through this process and talking to this person. And he brought me to the gym and had me do some strength workouts and then had me do some running. And so I'd found that uh, feeling of like um, being at peace through yoga once again. I was like, oh, there is other ways to find this. And this also is a way that I can move my body and I can connect with the, you know, the world around me more and not just sit in my studio. And then um, from there, I realized that with running, I could uh, really push my comfort level and it was this new thing and I could dive deep and down the rabbit hole because it was so fresh to me, but it was another great outlet for that. And so that's where, you know, three or four, three or four years ago, I got into yoga and then a uh, year or less after that, I was like this running thing. And I started listening to the podcast and 
learning about, um, you know, experiences that other people had. And I'm like, I resonate with that. I'm like, I would yeah. love that experience. And so um, I, I ran um, a marathon and a, tw- and a 20K. And then after that, I was like, I'm going to start doing ultras. That sounds like more fun. <laughs> I'm always like, you're telling me I can walk and then eat food in yeah. an ultra? Like, duh, of course I'm doing an ultra more than a marathon. Come on. Yeah, there's a lot of things like that. It's exactly right, right there. There's so many things in ultras that make you feel like you're like, I can do this differently than just being like the quickest person, you know, yeah, uh, just the person who's willing to run the fastest the whole time. I'm like, this is, this is like a fun game to me. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, did you... Do you see like parallels in the artist community and the ultra running community? Um, I see similarities with people's level of just trying to pursue something to the deepest level. Um, I think that that's like a universal thing. I can look at anything now after um, I think, you know, when I was only immersed in art, it was a little harder to appreciate this. But now that I'm into physical things as well and just have kind of more balance in my life I can appreciate that drive to wanting to find that few percent that we you know can barely you know whatever we we the deeper levels to tap into within ourselves to to reach past you can get good at something to a degree but then eventually to like push past that or to like find new depths within yourself you really have to learn some things and I think that that's a really universal quality and so I think um it's interesting to, you know, go to tattoo conventions versus like ultra marathon events and meeting the different people. Uh, there are differences in personalities, but there's a similar feeling of community. And then there's also um, a similar feeling of just people wanting to drive one another to be their best. And yeah. well, uh, you know, in any area that can be pretty talk, get pretty like people can also, you know, be more competitive and less help- helpful towards one another. I think in ultra running, it's extremely pure. It's like, everyone just wants to help one another out. I don't feel like I've always felt that at tattoo conventions or in the art world in general, it's a different type of competitiveness, but I think the best people that I love being around in any um, area are those ones that you do feel that similar sense of community and people trying to drive to push one another and just see like what we can get out of ourselves. Yeah. I think part of that is at least for me, and maybe it's because maybe it's something why I do the podcast, but I just, you're out on a course and you do a race, right? But then you want to hear everyone else's story. You're like, whoa, what was it like for you? Like, what kind of crazy shit did you go through? Because I know what I went through. And like, and also you keep that in mind. And then you're, when you're out there, you want to support each other because you're like, man, they're going through rough stuff just like I am. Of course, I'm going to support them because I want, I want them to be successful and learn and grow from this experience as well. Which is that's maybe what I that's, love about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. Like you realize, and I felt the same way through. I'm, I don't know. I felt the same way through crewing and volunteering. That like you can get almost as great of an experience as being the yeah. runner because you get to like live through their their story and their experience of it. And it's like you just leave with like a similar sense of like just chills within you. You're like that was incredible. And yeah. um, but no, I feel the uh, exact same way. And maybe that's why you know I really get a sense of that in ultra running is because people are pushing themselves physically and mentally past points that you know like just really to like you know dark places and so um at a certain point you just it's hard to like want to put somebody else down when your bolts just hurting so bad and you're trying to push through and when you have no energy to even consider that you know oh, that's Bye. what it is you just <laughs> bullshit energy that we the surface level stuff that we you know that we think is important and you get down to the really deep shit and you're like oh like just you know being loving and supportive is kind of more important yeah i get to the end of the day i'm like i have no energy for hate i have no energy for hate i don't want anything to do with that because i'm exhausted at the end of every day you know what i mean (laughs) in like a really silly way um yeah, I, th- I also feel like just everyone leaves an ultra with a story, like every single racer. You're not going to have someone out there who's like, yeah, you know, I got there. I ran. It was good. Like everybody has a yeah. story, you know? That's so true. That'd be the weirdest thing if somebody ran 100 miles and they were just like, what a, what a day. Let's go get ice cream. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So speaking of 100 miles, man, I got to ask, did you suffer as much at at Boonville as I did, because I'm telling you, man, there was a moment where I thought I was going to pass out or a couple moments, probably. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I want to word this carefully. <laughs> I feel like I suffered less than most people at Boomville um, because I knew that it was literally a training run for the run across Iowa. And so I did one thing no one else at Boonville did, which was took it as easy as humanly possible, ate 300 calories an hour and drank 30 ounces of water every single hour. <laughs> like I was literally like, like dancing around and like just walking and hiking and like running. Like I was taking it so easy early on that, um, you know, I wasn't like trying to go out and hit it as hard as possible. And so when I saw people start to like, um, get hurt and pretty bad when it was what was it up into the mid 90s at one point it got like 94 probably 95 maybe yeah so when that happened you could see people i'm sure you did like see people just lining the aid stations just like sitting and you know, there's groups and groups and groups of people yeah okay <laughs> that was me <laughs> i was the one it's the only time i've ever sat down in an aid station i'm like i need to sit down and it was a good choice at the time i was like thank god it did but i needed to yeah, I would have done the same thing if it would have been my like peak race of the year. And I got, well, I, I guess it would have been different in this case. I was going to say, you know, obviously we both know, and I've heard your story and about your friends and everything and like how I was planning on being a different part of the year, obviously. Right. Yeah. And it kind of messed with everyone's hands when it got moved. That's awesome that you still did it. Um, and then one of your other buddies did the 50K, right? Attempted he, the 50K. He, did, he made it 28 miles. <laughs> Man, that would be so tough to make it like, not so tough to be so close to not be able to make, I would just be, I commend him for being able to get to that point and just be like, nah, it's not worth it. Me too. I, but I know, but I also know where he was on the course and I'm like, oh, you're so close. You're so close uh-huh. to making that turn. And once you made that turn, you weren't gonna, you weren't gonna quit. But anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of him were- though. That's a good point. Like he made the wise decision, honestly. I mean, it's just the fact that, like, I heard the podcast and it, he didn't sound like too remorseful about it. He sounded like he was kind of in an okay place about it. Yeah. I probably traced it before and felt less okay about it. So I respect <laughs> that. Well, I gotta uh, say, like, approaching it as a training run, you know, when you're probably, I mean, I'm not even gonna say probably, you definitely were the only person in the 100 miler approaching that race as a training run. And that just, you go into it with a different mentality when you do that. Cause I've done some, some shorter ultras like 50 Ks as training runs. And those have become some of my best races, like where I've put up great times because I don't have this extra pressure I'm putting on myself. Yeah. 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 I, I, I can't compare to what it would have been like if I would have not felt that way, but I guarantee I would have gone out faster not drink as much water been surprised like everyone else when the heat hit and all that but yeah <laughs> yeah that was well, crazy that was crazy i just kept like i just kept seeing people and i was like just hang out until it gets dark out and start again like this has a long cutoff you're good yeah yeah well congrats man like on finishing that that's pretty pretty incredible i i watched the people go out for that third loop and i was like yeah those guys are badasses so <laughs> You're a badass. I, I, yeah, I, anything, anything on that course is super freaking badass, especially yeah. that day. Seems like though, I would say that day, but it seems like, you know, even though we got the heat this year is like the second hottest year, Boonville, um, ultra, um, we didn't get the mud. So it seems like every year brings something tough. So that's just one of those Heats races. Out. that's like meant a bit of a torture. Yeah. And I know your buddy Jimmy did it as well. Cause I met him out there on the course and I know he comes into play on your story about running across Iowa as well. And he was also the first, he was also the person that crewed me at Corn Belt 100, uh, Corn Belt 24, my first 100 miler. That's awesome. How did you guys meet? Um, we met because he's one of the most incredible artists in Des Moines. Um, and he and I followed each other on online. And um, we met because I was training for Corn Belt and he literally messaged me and was like, hey, um, are you trying to go for a hundred miles at this event or whatever? And I was like, maybe if I possibly can. And so he, uh, him and I just started talking from there. I think he was one of the only other people that I knew at that point that had like done research on, um, uh, ultra events. And he hadn't, he had done some like fast marathon. He back, he's, um, you know, decades ago, he's done really fast marathons and stuff like that. He's done running for a long, he's been a runner for a long time. Um, but he, 
had not planned on doing an ultra necessarily, but he had been like already researching it. And so we were able to meet on that level. And then he was also an artist and I was like, this is so cool. And so it just kind of happened naturally. He's always been like an incredible enabler and support system. And I never had to ask him to ever come to anything. He's always just been like, just to let you know, his girlfriend, Katie is amazing too. He's like, Katie and I are going to be there the whole time. Just to let you know or whatever. And I was like, okay, Jimmy, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's like just totally part of the community aspect. Um, all right, let's dive into the FKT. You started in my hometown, just w- winning me over. I was like, oh, he's starting in Muscatine. That's amazing. Is that for you? Yeah, I'm sure. I, I have a, I have a, I'm, I kind of suspect that you did that though, logistic wise. Is that true? Well, as far as I'm aware, um, I pretty much no one ever has decided to go from east to west. Um, it seems like everyone, I, I had to do a lot of work to figure out what, who it has run the state and what times and stuff like that and what, what routes and everything. Cause it's not, uh, it hasn't been an established FKT previously. So I'm trying to make it one for the first time. Um, and so, um, as far as I could tell, pretty much everything goes the opposite direction, but uh, really what it was for me was that Mines of Spain, the ultra marathon uh, event, uh, was going on the weekend prior to when I wanted to do it. And my friend, Josh Sun, who's an incredible ultra runner and, um, and uh, race director, incredible race director, his races are like so stacked with, you know, just all the things that you could possibly need um, in one of those races. But it was going to be happening the weekend before. And so it was in Dubuque. And mm. so my thought was, I'll go to Dubuque um, gain a little bit of like ultra running karma by, uh, volunteering. And then I'll, uh, also take a lot of energy from them because, um, I, I volunteered there last year and then went and ran the Des Moines marathon the next day. And I just felt like I had so much energy and I was like, Oh, that's so cool. And so this year I was just like, I'll just go volunteer. I have a, my, my van that I rented and packed full of a bed and all my other supplies and stuff like that. I was like, I'll just go get used to sleeping in the van, um, volunteer at this race uh, the whole time, take a day off. And then drive down to Muscatine an hour and a half away and start from there. Yeah. Nice. And then is it, was there any consideration? Like if you look at Iowa, it's kind of like a big nose on the Eastern side. That's what I kind of like. I'm like, it's the big nose and people are like, where are you from? Like we're from the booger, like right underneath the nostril Mississippi's going East and West baby. Like right there, it's the only spot. And that's where Muscatine is. So I was wondering if, you chose Muscatine specifically because just logistically it kind of worked out that way. Yeah. Okay. That was definitely a big part of it too. I never was considering trying to find the shortest route possible on. I always assumed it was going to be over 300 miles. And so um, I wasn't really too concerned about that, but um, honestly what drove me to doing that route was I found out two people um, Bonnie Bush, who is an incredible ultra marathoner from Iowa. She's 63, I believe, and has about 150 races on ultra sign up. Maybe Ooh. she's done bad water like several times. Dang. She's the sweetest person ever. And on the back of her car, um, the, her license plate cover is a bad water license plate cover. And I'm just like, you're the best person ever. Um, but her, and then my friend, Danielle Wagness, um, who is a incredible ultra runner, like just like, just a, a total badass. They had both done Highway 92 previously. And okay. so originally I talked to a couple other people that had done other routes. And then when I found out they had done those routes, um, it just seemed like logistically safe um, is, is not, not a super heavily trafficked highway. It's an old highway. So it's a lot of beautiful countryside. And then, um, you know, I wasn't, like I said, really too worried about the mileage, but I will say like during the run, I became very fucking worried about the mileage. I was, I was happy to get it done um, and not have any extra miles on there, but um, it just happened to work out that Highway 92 was really a clear cut th- straight through the state. And then um, it, it was a shorter distance. And so that was not something that I, uh, I was bummed about by any means, but it was, it was long enough that I figured 280 miles, 300 some miles. It's all pretty big. So for me, you know, any of these is probably enough. <laughs> yeah, man. So where did you start in Muscatine? Oh, what's the bridge called? Uh, okay. So, so Becky, right at the bridge, the one bridge. I know what you're Becky, talking about. Becky's bridge. It's, Becky's an, bridge. It, it's the only thing that I ran on the whole route that you're not supposed to like walk on as a pedestrian. I guess the bridge, right? At, like the beginning of it says like, don't walk on this bridge. <laughs> and you're so like, 
3 30 yeah. in the morning it was dark out yeah dude it doesn't it's saying no don't walk on the bridge during like you know normal days you know what i mean for normal people doing normal yeah. things normal yeah. people yeah you're good you're totally good yeah. and you allegedly walked on the bridge just in case anyone from us team listens to this yeah there you go okay. so i started there um i ran the train tracks down the river um for just a moment and then cut through town and right on the highway t- uh, 92 pretty quickly that's awesome and then just straight through the state there was a couple i made my route on strava and so there were a couple um things that strava wanted me to do to be a little safer like running through towns or running on a like scenic uh, nature paths and stuff like that. And so there was a couple times I got off of ni- uh, Highway 92, but it was a pretty good straight shot with a couple like little couple of mile scenic um, breakaways here and there. How do you handle that mentally when you're not turning? Like you're just going straight. And I know it kind of has some slow turns and stuff like that, but like, did that ever wear on you at all? Like just the monotony? Yeah, um, the monotony wore on me generally right from the beginning. Um, I wanted to quit on day one and two. Um, I think that, um, and I moved past that, but I think that their mental suffering was so high on the first couple of days, it kind of tapered eventually. And then I still experienced it in like degrees here and there, but it kind of tapered away and then the physical kind of kept getting worse. Um, but the mental was the, the worst part. And the, the issue was that in the beginning, all I could think about was how much there was to do. And you could see like long stretches in front of you. And so it was really hard to break it into pieces. And so it helped when I eventually got better at doing that. But to answer your question better, um, it was gorgeous. I never got sick of like seeing anything. And so I honestly, you know, I've done things that are monotonous before, like I've run around the track for 24 hours or, you know, sub 24 hours. And so, um, I honestly think what was worse was certain interesting things you wouldn't think of, like running on one side of the road messed up my body really bad. So I'd have to like switch sides of the road or like earlier on running on the gravel on the shoulder um, off of the concrete was felt better. But then eventually I had to run on the concrete um, because it just was the only thing that was consistent. And so there were certain things like that where it just, it did become consistently monotonous in a way that was taxing on me, but um, the mental thing was more just like the whole trying to bite the whole thing off at once versus um, it wasn't, I, I, I thought it was all beautiful. So I didn't mind that it was just kind of a straight shot. Yeah. Was there any specific area in particular that like really kind of blew you away? Oh man. Um, it's hard to choose like one thing in, in any category, like the hardest moment, the easy, the, the <laughs> best moment, the most thing because it's let me cross off those questions uh no (laughs) i'm happy to answer them i just might give you more than one answer um on day one i realized that when you uh move past cows in a big field they all bunch together and come to the fence and stare at you that was a that was a really a really cool thing um that was like really beautiful but um also on day one or to there was this barn that this guy had covered in like the coolest old signs but like hundreds and hundreds of old um you know like business signs or whatever like those really cool ones you'd see on like american pickers or something yeah. um so or just there was things like that where you just i saw your picture of that that was crazy that looked so cool yeah you just run into uh things like that where it'd be out in the middle of nowhere but this farmer would like take so much pride in their place and it was just like so gorgeous but um yeah, it was tough. The first couple of days were really cloudy. So it wasn't um, super, uh, it wasn't like there was this moment where the, the clouds opened up and the sun came through on this meadow and it was like the most gorgeous, but it was all really beautiful the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the reactions of like, cause obviously you're on a road, so people are driving by, like, did anyone ever pull over and talk to you or were you getting weird looks or what was that like? Yeah, um, definitely people did. It felt like more towards the end for whatever reason, more and more people kept pulling over. Uh, I think maybe because I was getting more and more support, like more people pacing me or more people, the van was closer by or something like that. And so that just kind of triggered it. But um, earlier on, uh, there was some people stopping. I think the first person to stop to talk to me, uh, this is actually kind of funny. He uh, he was a mail courier and I didn't realize that mail couriers out in the country um, it's just so, it's so cool. Like being on highway 92 for five days, almost, um, 
our whole team kind of realized what you can get away with versus like being in the city driving or something like that. You can just pull over wherever you want and like just whip around and like you can do this or that. But mail couriers, at least this guy, he sat in his passenger seat with his leg over the middle to hit the gas and everything. And then he's holding the steering wheel with his left hand. But the reason was because he needed to be in the passenger seat to put the mail into the mailboxes. Are you comprehending? So he would be in the passenger seat driving his car from the passenger seat with his leg over onto the gas and the brake, his left leg over the, the center, the, the center console and the shifter and everything like that. But he needed to be able to put his right hand out the window to put the mail in the mailbox. <laughs> and so he just like casually pulls up behind me and I'm like, am I already tripping on day one right now? And um, he was just like, oh, hey man, like, what are you doing running across the country or something? And I'm just like, dude, it's day one. You're already putting me down. I'm only running across the state. <laughs> You're like, what are you doing? What is this whole like setup you got going on? That's awesome yeah. though. But um, he was really cool. And then he was like, Oh man, like awesome. Like take care on your journey. There was a, there was a lot of, um, you know, like uh, just really sweet people that would stop and, and be like, oh, are you broken down? Like, do you need some help or whatever? And then we would tell them, or I would tell them what 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 the project was running across the state. And then they would just be like, oh, I'm like, bless you, like, you know, best wishes on your journey and everything. And it was yeah. it was the sweetest thing ever. The one funniest uh, circumstance was somebody stopping was on day three or four. I can't remember. I've it written down in my notes, but um, this guy stopped in his pickup truck with his dog, and he had the most like exuberance. Like he was like so energetic. And he was like, hey, man, just to let you know, I got the COVID. But if you need any help right now, if you need any help right now, like if you're stranded or something, I can help you out. And then uh, I was like, oh, I'm actually like running across the state of Iowa. But, you know, thank you so much or whatever. He's like, all right, all right. Yeah, just want to make sure you're all right. He's like, it's okay, though. He's like, I like to ride. He's like, I like to ride my bicycle. I'm going to I'm going to kick this COVID. We're good. And then he just like drove off with his dog. And I was like, okay. Dude, I love it, man. You're like, thank you for starting the conversation by telling me that. He's like, I just have to clarify this right off the bat, but I am Iowan and I will still help you. Yeah, yeah. it was the epitome of Iowa nice for sure. Um, and he was a good 10 feet away from me. So I feel like it was probably okay. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing, man. Well, so what about the, it's, it's probably a weird experience because it is so communal and you have this crew helping. And I know my buddy Calvin, got to join you. And, uh, I, I also am friends with Drew Mayfield who, uh, who joined you along the way as well. That's so cool. Small world, super small world. Calvin's one of my best friends in the whole wide world. I love the guy. Um, he's amazing, but, uh, but yeah, so you have this community who's helping you along the way and yet you're going through your own internal journey and you know, you're, you're by yourself, somewhat you know what i mean does that make sense because mm -hmm. you're yeah. the one going through it i mean everyone's with you everyone's supporting you but you're the one who's in your brain and in your mind and and going through the whole thing yeah so what how did you how did you grow internally through this event um well, yeah, it was a good mix of those two things. First of all, I want to say like, I mean, the team, it just wouldn't have happened. I remember there was one yeah. point where I was kind of influenced by some other people that have done uh, self-supported or unsupported um, uh, fastest known times or, you know, longer trails or whatever. And, and they'll carry like a jogging stroller with like all their supplies and everything like that was not going to happen here. Not because I couldn't have like potentially pushed it or brought my supplies. Like that probably wouldn't have been able to happen because I needed so much clothes and everything. Um, based on the weather we got a lot of uh, freezing weather snow and rain and stuff like that but um but more importantly there was like so many things that came up constantly that I would have just never been able to address address consistently myself and we can get more into like the you know struggles of it in a little bit but just like things that happen with my legs and stuff like I mean I, I would have just been like totally dead without them and then um they really put the hammer down when I was feeling low and there was no point where like I had a lot of like love and like you know people being like caring towards me but there was never a point of people like letting up on me this whole time and so they were honestly consistently pushing the whole time as well and went through a lot of stress as well and so um yeah my the person who kind of headed the crew was my buddy chris um and then jimmy and katie were there um my girlfriend sammy was there and she wasn't planning on being and she ended up being there for four out of the five days 
Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, there everybody who uh, my friends uh, Matt Taylor. Um, Travis and then Drew and Calvin all came out and ran. I think between everyone other than me, they all put in almost 200 miles wow. um, between them. And some of those were like Drew and Calvin ran together. My buddy Matt and Taylor ran together. So it ended up being like close to half of my route, but like close to my half of my route, I was with people, which like That's running amazing. with people on top of then, you know, seeing somebody within every half hour, hour or so to get support with nutrition or uh, whatever I needed clothes or whatever. And so they were about as much a part of the whole process, I think, as you could possibly be. Um, but yeah, it was definitely um, on top of being a group thing and, and being surrounded by so many people and feeling so much uh, energy from them. And then as well as all the people that were reaching out to me on social media or texting me or anything like that. It was definitely a, a solo thing as well. And I learned a lot about myself and I'm still processing it. I thought that by this point, I'd be like ready to kind of just put it out there as a report. Like, this is what happened. This is what I learned, like all that. And I'm feeling a lot of um, back and forth on if I can be confident about that, because I'll, I'll learn, like kind of like reflect on something each day and be like, oh, I haven't fully processed that yet. But I can definitely say that there were places that I thought were lines that I couldn't cross and get past. And I, I definitely can see now how if you can accept the process you're in no matter what it is and you know go through the pain like your body and mind can completely give up on you and there's ways to like still handle situations and it's crazy because i thought i had so many chances to quit based on you know well my achilles tendon feels like it just snapped like what are we supposed to do right now or whatever and then there'd be a way to kind of like push through that and so i definitely learned that like there's a lot more to give and i haven't tapped into nearly as much as, as possible. And on this run, I definitely tapped into a lot more and put myself through a lot more than I had previously. Um, yeah, that support factor, like just realizing how important, you know, support comes into my life and then how much I can um, do on my own versus how much um, I do need those around me and to be around the right people um, was a huge learning experience. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else mostly just like so many little things that I thought you know that there was these barriers I couldn't push past this or that but I've just learned that there's always kind of something you can do to solve any situation yeah that's awesome man I love that I love that concept and and that idea and it's funny though because you can mention that you can tell people that idea but until they experience it for themselves they're really not going to like internalize it you know what I mean yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's tough. And that's something else I've been dealing with is like, I want to post and share this and that. And it's like, it feels weird. And like, I want to like, you know, have other people go out and do it so then I can share the experience of them and explain it to them or talk to them about it. And um, at least like, I know that like, I can, you know, like you and I can meet on this level of like you've had experiences and, and like, and I think it doesn't have to be running. Like it can be so many other yeah. things that you can learn to push past your, your, um, boundaries. Like it's, it's a very universal thing. Um, but it is weird. Like I, I want to be able to say like when your body and your mind completely genuinely give out on you, like there is like still a place that you can find like peace in the present moment and just exist there. And it can be like a really cool space to be in where, you know, all the kind of like, you, you'd think you just stop moving, but you just kind of are running on something else, something a little deeper. And so it was cool. Yeah. Were you in those really deep, dark moments where you're in a lot of pain? Were you doing any things like I'm thinking of you're mentioning yoga, like were you bringing anything uh, like that, like your yoga practice into play where it does kind of focus you on the present moment? Yeah, I had to. So I want to say like, based on what I just said, um, I am like amazed that it got done. I'm like very like proud of myself and everything, but it didn't in it in it in it and I was like on one of my time goals, which is amazing, but it didn't go the way I expected it to. Yeah. <laughs> like it I expected four days of like really high mileage and like crushing it and feeling good after the first couple of days and then like having like the fifth day be like a really easy day. And I ended up having to load a lot on the fifth day and like make it just as big of a day as the other days in a sense and just much work and everything and and so um I guess what I'm trying to say is that through learning that, like, even though I like my body broke down, like on day one, I was like, I just did a hundred miler and at 70, 68.5 miles after day one, I feel wrecked right now. Like, yeah. you know, how, how do you 
how do you get past that or whatever. Um, it was cool to be able to see that there are, you know, even though my body, there's no way for me to go into this for the first time being such a jump from something I've done before and, um, you know, be ready for all of it. But when I wasn't, it was cool to see kind of what took over from there. And so, yeah, there was like a lot of adjustments that had to be made where I thought maybe I wouldn't do these things. And I would say like on day five, for instance, on the fi final day, um, like my buddy, Chris, who was kind of heading the crew, he came out for the first 10 miles with me and I probably didn't say a word. Like I literally like blurred my eyes, softened my vision and would look about a mile or so ahead at like the hills and would just like, and I had like, and I would just power to that next one. And, it, and time would move differently because I was just, um, I was just like so deep past the like frustration of like, Oh, it's going to take so, you know, I was also close to the end. So maybe that helped, but yeah. um, I just kind of given up on like caring when something happened in my body or like I wasn't stressed anymore. It was like literally, I know it was a very neutral feeling. It was literally just like, I can't speak to you right now. I just am going to like, and so the first 15 miles of the day were just work. It was like, but in the sense of like, just no, you know, like you know, chatting with friends or it was just like, it flew by because it was like, I need this first third of the day to just be gone. And like, and like a, a lot of it, I want to be, um, it was weird. Cause in a way that made me more present, like I was just right there in the moment, not thinking about anything else, but I wasn't able to like appreciate for those first, for that portion of that one day, I wasn't able to appreciate maybe how beautiful like the farm was or something like that. And then yeah. later in the day, I was like, okay, we're getting, you know, close to the end here. I can kind of like look around, like literally for the first time, kind of turn my head and look around me and stuff like that. And so there were strategies I used like that. Um, and then definitely just like nothing like, you know, I think yoga just teaches us how to use things that are natural processes a little bit more literally maybe or something. And so like, yeah, just, you know, you, anybody would know to stop and breathe when they're stressed out or something like that. But just when I couldn't handle it anymore, just like literally stopping and doing some deep breaths and like being like, all right, move on, you know? So yes. I think there were things that subtly came in like that for sure. Yeah. And those things helped me to get through it when I realized like, Oh, my body isn't going to be able to do like 70 miles the first two days. And then, you know, I had to do, I did 68.5 miles the first day, 55, the second day, 63, the third day, 48, the fifth day, fourth day, and then 45, the fifth day. And I was thinking it would be like, you know, very much like the two days in the beginning would be the heaviest and then kind of taper from there. Dude, that, that mileage is insane. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy, man. Uh, well, it's funny what you mentioned. Like, I do think it's a skill that can be utilized of being ultra present um, through these events. And then I also think it's a skill of completely zoning out um, at times and they might be more connected than you actually think, but I, I do think they can both be useful in different moments, you know, mm -hmm. like just turning your mind yeah. on yeah, blank mode and just going for it. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I, I, I don't have like the answer to like whether I was, you know, let more or less in the present moment on that, on that fifth day when I was kind of trying to just tunnel vision it, but it did feel like there was similarities between, you know, that experience and being fully present. And then, um, but I was also trying to like not be there at all. I was like just trying to float through it. And so it's, it's so interesting what the, what, are, what, what, we, what states of mind we can go into. Yeah, for sure. how do you feel when you saw that Nebraska sign in the distance? Well, I could see um, Nebraska, I could see Omaha's like buildings about uh, 10 or 15 miles out. And that was, that was a really good feeling. I had somebody come out and do the last 20 miles with me. And he's like a GI Joe. He's like one of the strongest in my buddy, Travis, he's like one of the strongest people I know. And so he um, was really great at pulling me along. Like uh, he would just kind of, we were doing a lot of power hiking that day um, versus running. And so he would just kind of stay right ahead of me and just like pull me just a little bit. And it was like super helpful. And then we we were able to like communicate about that together and he was able to help me get excited about because I figured like oh when I see when I see this um this sign that we're almost done it's going to be like oh I'm just going to run it in or whatever but my body was so broken that I had to be like if I run right now like like I had run on day four like uh uh you know a stretch five or ten miles or something and after that I couldn't run for like 20 miles or something because I messed up my Achilles so bad and so I was like and I was started 
uh, you know, on day four, there was a point where I was walking 35 minute miles and that wasn't going to get it done, yeah. uh, you know, mile or two or whatever. And so, and so, uh, and that was actually day four, the evening when I started running or walking 32 minute miles was the first time I used ibuprofen or any sort of like pain pill or something like that. Um, so I used that on the end of day four and then the end of day five. And, um, but yeah, so I was like, if I start, you know, if I see the city and I just start running right now, then I might just like be totally, uh, you know, unable to move to even get to the end or whatever. And so it was yeah. like excitement and also being like, calm it down because like you still got to get there and then on top of that i had given up on the idea of crossing in the fastest time the day before and i'd slept in on day five by like a couple hours on purpose because i wanted more sleep and i was like you know like you know uh second fastest crossing time of iowa is gonna be totally fine let's just go with that and then um it was literally down to the last couple hours where it was like you know that we we can get this done and so uh just kind of had to like shift gears again and so that was really interesting dude if you I, I love it, when it's like, yeah mm-hmm. it's crazy when an event that takes five days comes down to the wire you know yeah that's awesome man well i know so i guess uh was there any other kind of special moment that that stood out i saw on your instagram that your buddy Jimmy had uh, a mural in Winterset uh, that he that he painted, and you kind of did you get to see that while you were running? Or yeah, okay, so that was yeah, that's a really good one for a, a high point for sure. Except actually, I would say that was more just really cool than a high point because it was kind of <laughs> irritating because they were like, "Let's take photos in front of the mural and everything," and it was one of the hard. It was on day. Uh, the end of day three and it was like one of the tougher moments physically and so i was like if i don't keep moving right now i'm like not gonna keep moving and jimmy was like i mean you've met jimmy like he's like the greatest personality he's like no, 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 no. let's just get one picture one picture real quick or whatever <laughs> and so i'm just like sitting there waiting. and i also don't really know if it was fully on my route or if they like brought me an extra block or two off my route so i was like <laughs> trying not to process that so there was things about it where i was like I think I got way more out of it than it took from me, but I was like, Oh man, I'm going to like go hang out at this mural for a couple minutes or whatever. But <laughs> it was incredible because, um, it was just like, everyone is there and we all got to hang out as a group. And, um, it was really cool to be able to see that and that it happened to be pretty much on the route was like just the most serendipitous thing. And, and then so he was cool. also like, he was also such a huge, he was there almost the entire time supporting me. And so for like one of the breaks away that he went to do some painting or whatever that I got to be there for that was like really freaking sweet. Um, every time that somebody would show up that wasn't there, I realized how, uh, you know, there's moments that were really lonely, even though I did have like a support crew out there. Like you, uh, I would start in the morning with about three hours of darkness every morning. And so it was just, a lot of mentally getting over the fact that I just need to, you know, be calm and then it'll get light out and I'll get energy. It's, I'm just not in energetic right now because it's the middle of the night pretty much still. And so every time I would like go through that and then like somebody would show up and like be there, that was like such a huge moment. Um, so, um, you know, my friends that came out to run with me each time, it was like one of the biggest moments. And, um, and then, uh, day one and two were just so jarring mentally that having my girlfriend Sammy come out after that and she was only playing coming back for a part of day uh the Wednesday day three and then after a while she was like do you want me to just like stay she took the time off and she's like you just want me to like stay here for the rest of this and I was like oh my gosh please yes like so (laughs) um you know it was really the people like people for sure that were that were really really huge and then we also got to stay at a couple cool because we were planning on staying in the van the whole time but we ended up finding places um, pretty much the whole time that we're on route um, to just go. Uh, we would plant flags where I stopped every night and just go stay somewhere a few miles away. And we connected with some like really cool people that way too, that gave us some places to stay. And so that was really special um, that, that we got to stay in some, that people were just like, yeah, come to my home, like just stay here, like no biggie. And it was just like, so in and out and they were so cool about it. And I didn't really have the energy to like, I would thank them and everything, but I was just like, man, I got to go like use your shower and like play down. I'm yeah. hurting. And, um, so the people, man. And then at the very end, when I did get into, uh, get close to the bridge, uh, they crossed into Nebraska, like having the whole group there that was still there and everybody ran it in together. It was there at the end with me and we got to like take pictures of the Nebraska sign and go out to dinner a few miles from there. Like that was like the coolest 
experience for sure. Yeah, it was great. That's amazing, man. Well, once again, dude, like biggest congrats. Like what you just did is I'm like you said, you're still processing it and you'll probably be processing it for quite some time. I have a feeling, but, uh, but it's super inspiring and, you know, and, oh, I guess I do to kind of like, um, bring it, bring it full circle here. Um, in what ways did it give you, uh, a greater appreciation of the state of Iowa or a different appreciation, Uh, I guess would be a better way. It just really gave me a deeper one. I mean, 278.45 miles of, of pretty much the same stuff never got old. I mean, it was like, it was like, you know, every single cornfield, like glowing, you know, gold cornfields and uh, the cows never, you know, the cows staring at me was always like really funny every single time. (laughs) And, um, and none of it, none of it got old. And uh, I saw some, you know, I saw some of the polarity of the world out there. I saw a lot of like political signs and stuff like that, but not nearly like, I mean, you just don't really notice it when it's just that versus seeing what's happening on social media or something. And so I was disconnected from that and just really got to see the reality of how people lived. And then also being like off of busier roads and being on like a real highway. Like I said, there was a little more freedom where people just had like a little bit more leeway to kind of I don't know just they're just living their life there was nothing that was like you know anybody was doing for anyone out there it's just the reality of Iowa I felt this is what it felt like to me I guess uh it felt like really being in Iowa and so just every single time I passed by a field I, I just was like I wonder if I'll get, ever get sick of these and it was just like every time it was so beautiful yeah that's amazing man how many uh last question this is a big one you ready mm-hmm. how many Casey's pizzas did you eat along the way <laughs> I'm really bummed out I didn't get that pizza in Muscatine that we talked about. Salvatore's. Um, yeah, I, I was sending you a message. I'm like, dude, you got to go to Salvatore's. But me and my friends have a kind of a, we have a question. And the question really is, is it amazing to us because it was like our childhood pizza? You know what I mean? Versus an out-of-towner coming in thinking it's amazing. I, I think the out-of-towner would think it was really good. Don't get me wrong but we're just like, we probably are a little uh, subjective in our opinion there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I feel the same way about a lot of places in my life too. You have that connection to it and it just influences like how great it is. And that's cool too, though. There's something to that. Um, it's cool when a place like holds onto that energy, but I think that we had, I want to say three times, maybe just twice, but at least two or two or three of the nights we had Casey's pizza and, just demolished entire like veggies, veggie Casey's pizzas. And um, none of the food got old either. I mean, I was worried about like, Oh, what if I get sick of this thing or whatever? And it was like, you just food so bad that Casey's pizza was a delicacy. (laughs) That's going to be the the clip. If I was picking clips, I would just have you say Casey's pizza is a delicacy. You could be their new spokesperson. You'd be like, Hey, I'm Taylor Ross. I ran across Iowa. Casey's pizza got me there. Pizza. <laughs> yeah, it, did, it did. I don't know <laughs> if I could have done it. <laughs> um, awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show, dude. I really appreciated it. I uh, loved hearing the story. Um, I wish you nothing but the absolute best in everything that you do in the future. And I know you're going to do some really amazing stuff. So thank you. Um, I feel the same way about you. I'm glad to have this platform to connect and be able to like follow along with what you have going on in the future. And, Hopefully we can get in a run sometime and connect again. And I mean, it's, I feel so fortunate to, you know, be part of this community where I've met so many incredible people that do such badass things for the benefit of just growing as human beings and trying to be better to themselves and better to those around them. And so like, it's, it's so freaking cool. So thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right, ladies and gents, that wraps up the show. Uh, huge thanks to Taylor. Thank you for coming on the show, man. Uh, I loved hearing the story. I, I just you, you're really inspiring to me um, because I can't even fathom <laughs> putting yourself through that amount of pain and running that distance that quickly is is absolutely bonkers. And also to do so um, 
you know, not eating Salvatore's pizza in Muscatine the night before. I'm like, dude, Salvatore's pizza, perfect fuel for a run across Iowa. But uh, but you have to do that next time. Next time you're in Muscatine, M-Town, Salvatore's pizza, not, not a sponsor of the show, just a sponsor of my life, you know? Like it was the best pizza growing up. It delivered out to where I lived and no other pizza place did. So uh, shout out to Salvatore's. That was a really weird way to end it, guys. Uh, um, I want to mention this. Um, <clears throat> so we're in November. I intend, I've intentionally taken a couple months off uh, mentally more than anything. I'm still training. I'm still running. But uh, mostly I've been heading out on the weekends, exploring new trails, really just running for fun. I'm not trying to you know, set any world records or, <laughs> or anything like that. Um, so I'm trying to go out to new places that I've never been before or trails that I just love. And I've been trying to run those as much as I can. So I haven't really set my 2021 year up. And I think part of it is just how many unknowns are still out there. Right. I mean, we're still in the middle of this COVID pandemic. Um, that's always, you know, you're like, man, it's hard to even sign up for an event because you're like, is it even going to happen? And that's why things like what Taylor just did is so cool because you're basically relying on you and you alone. And it can be exhausting to rely on you and you alone. Trust me, because I'm the only one who does anything with this podcast, <laughs> you know, I have to record it, type stuff, do the picture, try to promote it as best I can, even though that still feels weird. Um, but, but it is cool because you are the one that you are relying on. You're not relying on anyone else. Um, so ultimately when a goal happens, like an FKT, for example, you are the one who made it happen. You dreamt it up and you put that dream uh, into creation, right? Oh man, it's so cool. I have to say that just from a creative side, doing the podcast every week when I uh, upload it and then I see it and I go to my iTunes and I see it on there and I'm like, whoa, it's on there. I created something. Um, it's alive like that, like Dr. Frankenstein. Um, I don't do that. That would be weird if every week when the podcast uploaded, if I just went, it's alive. I think I'm going to start doing that now. Um, but it's cool. It's a cool feeling because you're like, this wouldn't exist without me. I came up with the idea and I put it out. I put the work in and I got it done. And that is such a amazing experience that I want everybody to have. And I'm sure Taylor, I, I know he's still processing because I was just texting him today. I was like, hey man, how's it going? You still, you know, really figuring out how this FKT will affect the rest of your life? And he's like, man, I'm still processing it. But I think he could probably relate to the the feeling that he came, he had an idea one day. I'm gonna run across Iowa. He planned the course. He drove the course. He daydreamed about it, right? He came up with this idea and then he put the idea to action and he brought the idea to the world. And, you know, also, I mean, I'm speaking to a guy who's a tattoo artist. I mean, I feel like that's what you do. And I have to imagine having never tattooed anybody. No one will let me, you know? because I would be terrible at it. <laughs> but having never tattooed anybody, once it's done, I'm sure you look at that piece of art and you're just like, whoa, this is here because of me and my ideas. And that's so, I just, that is really more than anything, that is what is inspiring me, especially into 2021. Um, so I'll probably talk more about this in the future, but I'm working on a project right now with a couple friends and it's something that is way outside my comfort zone. Um, it's something that I'm really passionate about and it's something that when I've mentioned to people, I've downplayed, but truly in my heart, I want it to be really good. I want it to be amazing. I want it to, I want to do my absolute best 
because I feel like, why wouldn't you, when you're doing anything, why wouldn't you want to do your absolute best? And maybe your absolute best isn't, isn't, you know, the absolute best because it never will be right. But you have to give it your best effort in any given moment. And just to relate it, when I started this podcast, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> you could go back and listen. I mean, I like the first episode because with my buddy, Brady Manriquez, shout out Brady Manriquez. Um, but I really didn't know what I was doing. And I just started it. I just did it because it was something that was really calling out to me. And deep down in my heart, I knew that I wanted to do it. And I knew I wanted to, to put it out there. And every single week, I still feel that. And I still don't feel like this podcast is perfect by any means whatsoever. Um, I do feel like I've improved as like an interviewer for sure. Um, but I don't feel like, you know, this is the absolute greatest podcast of all time. Because of course not. It's not going to be. Um, but I do feel like each week I'm giving my best effort. And the reason why I'm relating it to starting the podcast is because what I'm working on for 2021 is it's giving me that same feeling. Like I've woken up at two in the morning and I can't stop thinking about this idea and I have to go downstairs and write about it really quick just to get the thoughts out of my brain on paper <laughs> so I can go back to sleep. Um, and it's so exciting. And I'm going into it knowing that knowing that there's so much that I don't know and that I'm going to be a blank slate and and I'm going to do my best, but I'm also going to be like a sponge and I'm going to try to learn as much as I can along the way through the experience. Um, so that's a little tease. Uh, at some point when, you know, after we dive into this a little bit more, uh, I will tell you more about it. Um, and like I said, I'm super excited. It's going to be something that's, uh, not going to be come to fruition for a long, long time. It's not like a podcast where I can just sit here and talk and put it out the next day. Um, it's something that's definitely going to take much more time. Um, so yeah, I think you guys will dig it, but, uh, but yeah, that's it for the week. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking to Rue McKenrick, Rue McKenrick, uh, who is in the process of creating his own uh, creation, Dr. Frankenstein style. Uh, he's creating the American Perimeter Trail. And so you can look it up, look up American Perimeter Trail Project. The idea basically is that he's a backpacker and he wants to create a trail that traverses the whole perimeter of the United States. Um, so you could imagine, and I don't know if he's going to end up using these trails because he's trying to find the best trails, but you could imagine going down the Pacific Crest, over across the south, up the Appalachian Trail, and then over across the north to make one giant loop around the country. Uh, super cool. So I hope you guys come back for that episode. And yeah, that's it. We'll see you all later. Have a good one. Try to create some cool stuff this week. Uh, yeah. See ya.